Welcome to The Paradigm Concept, hosted by myself, Dr. David Rollis, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health. The Paradigm Concept will feature leaders and innovators in the healthcare industry, in particular dentistry, to help you find new, efficient, and innovative ways to build a world-class practice and deliver better patient care. At Paradigm Oral Health, we're all about shaping the future of our specialty, with a focus on putting the needs of the patient first. Learn more and subscribe today at ParadigmOralHealth.com. Hi, this is David Rollis, CEO of Paradigm Oral Health. Today, I'm joined by Abhi Krishna, who's CEO of CareStack, a cloud-based dental practice management software company. I've had the great fortune to get to know Abhi over the past couple of years and, and work with him on project as we've developed a, a practice management system customized for our business. And it's been an amazing experience. Learned a lot working with Abhi and excited to have him here today. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dr. Rollis, for inviting me to your podcast. It's been a pleasure knowing you, the Paradigm team, and it's been a great learning experience working on this project along with you and the team. So thanks for having me on the podcast. Well, thank you. You know, I've used these discussions as ways to learn from other people that have accomplished a lot or had great success and try to take those things and translate them into our business or into our practices. And so the areas I thought it'd be interesting to talk about is your background, you know, how you became, you know, what you are today, how CareStack developed, what you think about technology and dentistry, where you see opportunities, where things that might advance, and then just more broadly, the future of dentistry and, and where you see things a decade from now. If that seems reasonable, we could get started with a few questions. Absolutely. Happy to chip in. All right. Well, first offer some context so everyone can kind of understand your perspective. Maybe tell us a little bit about your background, how you grew up, how you ended up starting CareStack. You know, so I come from a small town in the south of India. It is the capital city of the state of Kerala, which is like the southernmost tip of India. So that's kind of where I am from. And my career in technology started working with larger corporations like Oracle, Citibank, Microsoft, and that stint lasted for a couple of years. And, you know, I had a switch in career from an engineering role. I chose to become a user experience designer. That happened back in 2010. And one of the user experience design and product management projects that I undertook was for a sleep apnea management company which wanted to build a chronic disease management system, starting with obstructive sleep apnea. And the first implementation of that system happened to be in a dental office where they wanted to overlay all the standard operating procedures and operational workflows on top of an existing dental practice management system, mine the captive patient base, screen, diagnose, treat, and follow up the patients in the dental practice using a home sleep testing device and a, for diagnosis and a mandibular advancement device for treatment and then eventually work through the rest of the process in terms of getting the doctors paid for the treatment. So this was the premise of the project that got me working with dental offices back in 2013. And then for two years, I worked within a dental office which was owned by Delta Dental of California, which was the beta site for implementing the system. And I worked alongside team members at the front office. I worked with doctors and folks at the back office. And the scope of my engagement was to really build a system on top of an existing PMS system using which we could access the patient data and then come about and determine which of those patients could be possible candidates for 
apnea assessment, followed by diagnosis, followed by a treatment protocol, and then continuous follow-ups to ensure that they don't lose the continuum of care. And what I recognized working for those two years inside the dental office was, this is back in 2013, was the fact that the existing core dental software used inside practices, especially in group practices, was uh, very antiquated and outdated to the extent that you would require multiple products to be bolted on top of it to make the existing operational workflows possible effectively and for better patient experience. What was more frustrating was the fact that access to data was very, very limited, which was very limiting in terms of building a system like a growth system, like a specialty system for managing sleep apnea on top of existing dental software. So over those two years we worked, I kind of came up with this thesis that before we can overlay more systems on top of dental software on existing systems, maybe we need to re-platform the way software gets built for managing dental operations. And that's kind of like the genesis of CareStack, where we decided that, okay, let's go ahead and build a system ground up, which is modern, cloud-based, intuitive, and very comprehensive that eliminates the need for either a single office or a group office or a DSO to work with multiple subscriptions to manage the operations and also make sure that the system would enable interoperability of the patient data with other systems in a way that benefits the consumers and the providers. And that set the vision for CareStack to move forward. That's fascinating. That's really interesting, your background in user experience and obviously critical to anything, whether it's software or how you run your practice, really thinking about how you interface with your patients, your customers, et cetera. When we started thinking about changing our software a couple of years ago, the I guess that is one that the fundamental decision we made was that we needed something that was cloud-based because we were pretty certain that was the future. Probably on-premise solutions are not likely to be super prevalent a decade from now. So that sort of undermined our underpinned our decision-making process. Um, and you hear a lot about cloud now and and what that means. Before we sort of operated in a, a hosted environment or a not truly a cloud environment, but maybe talk a little bit about what that is, because I think a lot of people don't you know, really kind of understand the differences in those things and why it would be really important to the type of practice management software someone might choose. The vast majority of dental offices today, I would say almost 70% choose to use on-premise client-server software like Dentrix or Open Dental or EagleSoft or SoftDent or PracticeWorks, which rely on on-site servers to host the software and to manage the operations. A cloud, on the contrary, frees up people from the problem of accessibility by putting all of the workflows and the data on the cloud and building a modern cloud-based operational system. You are literally giving accessibility to the providers and to the patients to have access to their information from anywhere, anytime on a device of their choice, which is not really possible when you are hosting systems within premises. So accessibility is the fundamental problem that cloud solves. Now, on top of accessibility, the pace of innovation becomes radically and exponentially different when it comes to cloud systems. What it means is, Developers of cloud systems have access to information that allows people like us to take a look at 
how do we need to make changes? How do we need to accommodate user feedback? Observe patterns of data from a usability standpoint and from a business metric standpoint and come up with features and innovation that allows us to make the operations better on behalf of our customers and make frequent updates that allows us to push features into the hands of our clients that they truly need for running a more streamlined practice. These things becomes very prohibitive. Access to innovation is very prohibitive in a client-server environment. I guess that sort of goes back to user experience for sure. And for us, we thought it definitely made us more agile in the future as, as new technology would develop and things that could be uh, implemented into the ecosystem that I think CareStack has created full suite of services to help manage our practice rather than having to use one application here and one application there. We thought it was really, really comprehensive and the plans and the tools that were in works, we envisioned a really comprehensive product that I think you've brought to life here over the past many years, but especially this year. It's been awesome for us as we've started to implement the software and kind of recognize those advantages from a person working in the office perspective and then also a patient's perspective. We also recognized, I have a little bit of history in software development, nothing at all like you, but recognized that dentistry is kind of a niche market and specialty even more so. So it can be kind of difficult to invest a lot in, in a software without a lot of users. So for us, it was also attractive to be able to you know, work with you. And obviously you have a much larger customer base throughout dentistry so that there were features and automation and things that you know, hadn't been available to us and probably difficult for, you know, a lot of people to invest in unless you're reaching a pretty large base. But from a dental specialty perspective, automation of payment posting and verification and things were not features that we had a whole lot of before. Where do you think opportunities lie with automation? You know, in the practice management world. Automation is a very essential component when you're taking the fact that consolidation and the rise of group dentistry is concerned. Consolidation is moving at a pretty rapid pace in dentistry with eventually maybe 40-50% of the practices getting consolidated in group operations. That presents the need for more efficiency from the perspective of reducing the overheads per location. And therefore, the systems have to scale up to do a couple of things. One is to create a more centralized way of managing multiple sites, automations that can create better standardization of workflows across those multiple sites, and then a continuous focus on data and analytics and be able to drive insights from those data and then be able to take those insights back into software features that can preempt user errors or probably even automate situations that have a high probability of user errors and thereby create a couple of advantages, mostly advantages in the realm of reducing administrative burden within the offices, enhancing the patient experience, and creating better certainty around numbers and better control for the operators of these groups. So. The big benefit of cloud is the ability for you to have access to all of this information and come up with unique workflows that promotes automation very seamlessly by having a tight focus on the accumulation of data based on practice operations. Just like I had you know, mentioned that specialty dentistry is not a huge market. Dentistry is obviously a much bigger group of users, but 
still probably relatively small to other types of customer bases that companies like Google or Amazon are working with millions or maybe billions of individuals. Have you been able to draw sort of technologies across industries and introduce things into dentistry that maybe would not have been an incubator for those types of technologies? Absolutely. We have loaned in things that have been very prevalent in other industries and brought it to dentistry, especially in use cases surrounding automation. For example, ability to automatically tokenize your patient credit cards at the point of care and then be able to use those tokenized cards for automating patient collections. You would see such things being very prominent in the use of other retail sectors, but dentistry is obviously new to such capabilities. So that's one thing where we have on the same token, we have also built automation around recognition of voice when it comes to phone systems so that you can understand patient conversations and understand the purpose of how, why patients call into practice, the outcome of those calls, and based on those outcomes, be able to trigger workflows and SMS messaging that results in better customer service, create better follow-up tasks for staff members inside offices to take action so that new patients don't fall through the crack. Similar use cases, which are used in retail sectors, we have brought all of those capabilities to be applicable in a dental setting. I could go on for several of these use cases, but these two things look very prominent where other industries like the salon and the spa industry, weight loss industries, the retail sectors have adopted these use cases in healthcare and dentistry in particular have been slow towards implementing these these use cases. We have loaned in some of these capabilities to benefit our practices. Yeah, I think there's definitely been a bit of a trend in healthcare to sort of take a bit of a retail approach where you're valuing patient experience and convenience along with quality. And I've been amazed at how your team has been able to be agile and adapt quickly. And when we've come up with ideas or collaborated on things together, you've been able to to bring them to life and sometimes, you know, even imagine them before I even thought of them. So I think that's been really, really impressive. And we're seeing huge advances in how we're able to deliver convenience to patients and our staff. You know, that's a good point, doctor, you know, because I also want to expand on that thought. I have been of this firm opinion that building a software business in dental is not probably the right way to think about when it comes to serving customers. You know, we don't identify ourselves like a software business. We think for you to be successful to serve the business of dentistry and dental practices, start to have a real service mindset and really think about how do you make software fit into the workflows and the unique preferences of our customers, given the fact that most of our customers are small business owners without the right sophistication to run and manage software systems. Internally, we have built a company culture around that service mindset of software for us, really a vehicle for us to do more for our customers, what they pay us for. And that statement is not something that you put on a PowerPoint slide. You try to do it every day. Look at your software as a way for giving your customers way more value than what they pay us to serve them. We hire people who are willing to do more for our customers. We build service organizations which can augment the software capabilities to take away the administrative load from our client base and 
allowed them more time to focus on patient care and practice growth. I just wanted to expand on that point and let you know that the whole agility and innovation that you have seen from our side is really coming from this fundamental philosophy of thought that we are not really building a software business in dental, but we are building a service organization where technology is our primary vehicle for delivering that value. Yeah, I love that. It's more like uh, developing Rich Carlton or Four Seasons Service that happens to be in a dental office that I think is really unique. And I think the opportunities in dentistry or healthcare is, you know, you can take a retail approach to things in terms of convenience and quality and people having to value that probably more so in dentistry than in medicine, because, you know, in dentistry, people primarily have to pay for the services or at least a large part of it because dental insurance is obviously different than medical insurance, where in medicine, people kind of, they go to the doctor or the hospital and somehow it kind of just gets paid for. They're not really making the decisions based on that. Their experience, you know, obviously important, but maybe not as important as it is in dentistry to decision-making. So anywhere you can up your level of performance, I think is a really smart thing to focus on. Things like technology and the kind of technology that you're building, I think helps any of us that have relatively small businesses. It's not like we're operating um, Tesla or something to disrupt things without without having to invest tremendously. So, you know, kind of staying on the, the shoulders of giants and things and taking ideas from other industries and being able to put them into our small practices, I think is pretty extraordinary. But the thing I think is different about, you know, healthcare and dentistry is that it's very versus retail. It's still very personalized and private. People are, convenience is important, but they're still really interested in, you know, having a, a relationship with a doctor that they can trust. And I think we, you kind of have to think about that in two and when you automate the process and kind of understand it is a much different transaction than going and buying a soda or something. But I think there's a lot to think about there. What are your thoughts on that and sort of how you meet patients where they're at and customize things to them and their experience? Is that something that you sort of think about from a user perspective? Absolutely. I think in many ways, the foundation of a dental business especially on the general dentistry side, is about operational efficiency and then customer experience. Those are the two basic drivers of how a dental business can actually benefit the providers and the patients. From a customer experience standpoint, having accessibility, convenience, and transparency is paramount if you have to build a healthy practice. And a healthy practice that grows both in terms of same store growth and which also gives you the option to repeat the same in multiple sites. So it all starts with placing the consumer at the center of your universe and then having your internal system built up to serve that consumer really, really well. And technology especially should allow offices to meaningfully connect with their patients in ways that can foster better relationships and connect in a way that's very personalized, that they experience the benefit of technology without losing that personal touch with the provider and the care teams. So a consumer-focused workflow personalization has to be the core of how technology adds up to promote user experience between the providers and the patients. That's seminal for practice success. Yeah, I think some of the things like patient engagement features, the portal, the kind of omni-channel communication, whether it's texting or 
via chat or you know, all those different ways that CareStack has made it easy for our doctors and front office staff to connect with patients or to share information or to communicate to other doctors has been uh, a really powerful thing. One of the things that I think we've probably all struggle with is workforce. And since COVID, people just don't seem to want to work quite the same as they did before and really hard to find great staff. I think some of the things like the uh, the scheduling tools that you have, the AI that you've, you're using to assess phone conversations, I think kind of gives us the opportunity to help our staff get better, train them faster. And I, I think we probably have to accept there there may be a new level of turnover. I mean, we'll certainly try to make our offices the best places to work and reduce that. But there may be some just fundamental changes in society where we sort of have to accept that there may be a, a little bit more turnover these days and harder to find staff. So what can we do to to make people smarter? How can we use technology to not replace people, but help them get trained quickly and become smarter? And I think that uh, phones are a huge source of that or scheduling for us. The scheduling coordinator is a really, really important position. They're kind of the, the doorway to our office. And it's a pretty challenging job, I think, to make a decision on a split second where to put someone to make them happy and to make the doctor happy. Because I think in most offices, the scheduling coordinator is kind of a thankless job. They're not typically getting told, oh, you did an amazing job putting this person in the right place. It's more like, hey, I'm triple booked here. Why is this? This is awful. Why could you have made such a terrible decision? And so I think what you're developing there is to sort of help scheduling coordinators select the right slots to put people in uh, where they're most likely to have the most satisfaction and maybe make the day the best for the doctor and the team is, is pretty exciting. And I think being able to give scheduling coordinators feedback in terms of how they've performed, maybe other people in the office, but as a, a starting point, I think the scheduling process is, is a great place to start how that connects to your practice management system is really important. So kind of stop my monologue there, but that's maybe a, an entry into what you're doing with scheduling and phone systems. So maybe talk a bit about that. Sure. I think administrative burden inside office comes down to three things, right? Your phones, your schedules, and your back office operations and back office tasks primarily related to billing. And if we can use technology appropriately to eliminate some of these bottlenecks, which forces that burden on people, and if we can shift away those burden using technology, that creates a healthy atmosphere in office where people can now focus on more patient relationships and building good culture in general. So that's been the core of our thought in terms of bringing phone systems that can conversations in real time, identify the purpose and the outcome of these conversations, and automate patient engagement activities based on the AI de determining how the conversation went, and also create follow-up tasks for staff members to take very specific actions. That's one piece of it which led to the formation of the AI-enabled integrated phone system that works along in conjunction with the PMS. The second piece is on the scheduling front, giving providers and staff members the ability to stay on control of their schedule is really the best way to increase their production because the production is literally comes down to the number of appointments that you could have on the schedule multiplied by the average revenue you can generate per appointment. So features like ability to find slots around predicting what your no-show for this week could look like and why at a patient level, you could have certain 
people not show up, use predictive models for preempting no-shows, for preempting cancellations, rescheduling, all of this. And people, even case acceptance, people who could possibly be saying no to treatments would give people the kind of insights that they have not had before around their patient base and how to effectively deal with it in order to create a better experience inside the practice and a healthy production. Those features are all contributive towards making sure that we can reduce those administrative challenges around management of schedules and resulting patient experience. And on the back office side, we have done a whole bunch of capabilities built around making insurance verification electronic, reducing the administrative burden around posting ERAs, centralizing the fee schedules, automating a whole bunch of claims management related tasks, all of which could lead to better collections, healthy collections without having to put a lot of people for follow-ups on denials and projections and things of that sort. So fundamentally, you know, on the core platform, we look for ways in which we can build more capabilities that reduces administrative schedules and back office billing. The last four or five years, I've sort of become addicted to data. And it's kind of like a scorecard to help you understand how well you're doing. And I think for most doctors that are, you know, a little bit mathematical, if that's a word, they tend to like data and certainly a very non-biased way of looking at things seeing how the practice is functioning, seeing how patients are scoring their experience, seeing how a phone call was graded based on objective measures or how long patients might be waiting and and using data to predict where we should make changes, I think is a huge opportunity for the future. You were talking about no-show rates and things. Maybe talk a bit about you know how you're using predictive algorithms in regards to predicting when the patient might not show and how successful that is and other specific areas you think predictive algorithms may play into reducing burden or increasing efficiency? Typically, what we see inside dental offices, there is no intentional effort within an office to have an understanding of their patient population and a very good understanding of the patient behavior. For example, much of this knowledge lies on the front office side uh, at a very personal level inside task members, and it's very subjective based on the person who is managing the front office. For example, your, your chances of success to quickly identify the patients who have a high chance of a, a no-show or a payment default, you wouldn't get much success with the staff members to ready access to data of that sort. Imagine the fact that if you had access to data of that sort, you could really create workflows to engage with those patient populations in a very different Now, in a small office, it's not reasonable to expect the staff members to have that kind of control over the the, because this kind of capabilities requires modern tools, statistical algorithms, access to a consolidated data set, AI models trained against site-level data. And typically, you you don't see a lot of offices which can afford investments in this direction. At, At Paradigm, you have a very sophisticated operation and a team and there's an intentional effort making data as your driver for enhancing efficiency. But in a small office, in a single site office, a private office, these are not things that you should expect to happen. And that's kind of where technology has to step in. So what we did is we decided to solve the fundamental problem of how do we minimize no-shows. And we developed our own proprietary machine learning framework 
to segment and predict patient behaviors. And the behaviors, prediction of behaviors that allows us to reduce the no-show rates, collect more patient payments and reduce write-offs, improve treatment acceptance, and improve overall financial performance of the office. So let's take the example of one use case like predicting no-shows, right? So what we did is we identified the most influential parameters that is associated with a patient and their appointment that can be used to predict the probability of a patient showing up for the appointment. And then, and I'll, I'll expand on what those parameters are. And then we built a model around those parameters that analyzes historical data and then can look at the schedule for the future and predicts the appointments that could possibly get broken. And our models over the last several months of testing have currently an accuracy level of 85 to 93% at a site level based on the type of practice and the patient cohorts. How did we build the model for no-show rates? We analyzed a whole bunch of parameters that can induce broken appointments all the way from the appointment day and the month for seasonality, appointment lead days, which is, you know, when was the appointment actually created? What was it created a week ago, a month ago, a quarter ago? In what time it was created? Was it done during morning? Was it for low production hours, peak production hours, categories, appointment category and types? Is it a hygiene appointment or a general examination? The duration, the distance of the patient zip code from the operatory zip code group by miles, whether the appointment was booked through a phone or an online channel, was there a payment balance due at the time of booking, the number of insurances the patient has, the age bracket, the marital status, their chronic conditions, allergies, were they referred by another patient at the practice who has a high standing with the practice, prior history of cancellations, rescheduling, history of family appointments, primary language, weather for the day. So what we have done oh, is a pretty extensive model that crunches all of this data and historically looks at this data and cohorts a practice and can literally bucket your patient based by behaviors and then provide this information to practices to tell them why this patient is not likely to show. For example, John could have 90% probability of not showing up today because he booked the appointment six months in advance and he's over 55 years, he has chronic conditions, and he's living 20 miles away from the operatory zip code. And what could you possibly do to get folks like John to show up? Or what are the things that you should possibly take action on in order to minimize people like John from not showing up. On a similar note, we are working on predicting probability of treatment acceptance, probability of patients defaulting on payments, cancellations on appointments, rescheduling. And more importantly, we are expanding the algorithm to really predict the quantum of care that a patient would need in a given year. So we could have some sort of an understanding of the active patient base of a practice and then the treatment revenue that could possibly get generated on those active patients with insights to the offices on the most profitable patients that could generate practice production in a healthy manner and use all of that information to train our offices using both technology and technology-led coaching and put really people to work in terms of helping our clients invest on those critical areas where they can create healthy operations, leveraging all of the insights that we provide. 
Wow, that's amazing. And I kind of uh, knew you, that's sort of how you would respond. And I wanted people to kind of hear, you know, the detail and the sophistication that you've been developing, because that's what really got me excited about working with you and your team is the forward thinking and actually making things happen. All the things you just mentioned are things we ever thought about when we went to dental school in terms of how, you know, we might be able to deliver better care or recognize that someone that's over 55 that lives 20 miles away might, you know, have some barrier to, to access to care and that we should be proactive and think about how to get them in. And all of the different variables, the weather or whatever, probably not a lot, a lot that we thought about in dental school when we were doing fillings. It's amazing how things have evolved. And that's obviously just one very small example. You can think about how things might progress and and imagine all the ways that AI and machine learning and things are going to help us in the future. And, you know, you hear people throw around, you know, artificial intelligence a lot. But I think you guys are really an example of bringing that to life and, and putting it into practice real time. And is the hardest and probably the most important part of really using all of this and integrating into a practice operating cycle. It's one thing to just create technology for the sake of creating technology. And it's a very different thing to take the technology that gets created and make it fit within an operating cycle, given the diverse range of conditions in which practices operate. The second one is is a more intentional effort where you choose to come in terms with the reality of how offices get run, then you're working under constraints and then you're devising not just technology, but also you're creating sophistication within your organizations to build change management guidelines and core competencies within the org that allows us to take this technology and bring it and make it operational inside practice environment still working under constraints that we get to live with on a daily basis. I think the second part is kind of what could truly differentiate down software companies in dental to know that building technology is cool, but that doesn't give us the right to win until we are ready to invest more in terms of taking that cool things that we build and working under constraints to get it into the hands of people in a way that they can really make use of it and they subscribe to it wholeheartedly and use it to create advantages for the operations. Yeah, I love that. I think Apple talks about the intersection of hardware and software. And I think with what we're talking about is sort of the intersection of practice management software and patient care. And that's what I've loved working with you is I think we're very much on the same page of like translating what's needed in the clinic, what's practical, what's the logistics of it all, what's actually going to really help the patient or the doctor, and then the technology. And I think we've both been able to kind of bring those ideas together and put things in into practice that are really, really helping us. It kind of just struck me when you were talking about as you know some of these predictive models and things continue to develop, you can imagine a time when there could be some ethical concerns and maybe limit access to care. But I think when you said identifying that patient that's not likely to make it to come in, develop strategies to help them come in. So I think we'll have to continue to think about this moving forward. And we're probably a long ways from that. But you can see the the, the pace at which things are progressing. You never could have imagined we would be here five years ago. So 
I think it's exciting to think about all the opportunities to refine this and really make things better. And you guys have been amazing partners to us in doing that. And I think it's really going to change the lives of our patients and everyone on our team. We really appreciate your time. Maybe just one last question, because I, I think you're pretty visionary, not necessarily practice management software, but maybe it is. What would be the areas that you think people should really focus on in technology? Where do you see the huge advances, say, 10 years from now? How should we be preparing our practices today? Dr. Wallace, I'm so happy you asked me that question. I'm a huge proponent of creating like an autonomous practice management system. I personally think when it comes to serving small businesses, automation is probably a good place to start, but you've got to really continue to push the envelope to move from auto- automation to having more autonomous systems within these settings. Fundamentally, going back to the point I was mentioning earlier, because the value of technology inside the small business settings gets only recognized when we can make a transformative difference to the quality of life of the people involved in this industry. And it fundamentally comes down to reducing the administrative burden and giving them more time to focus on patient care and have better time for themselves and their families. And what constitutes, you know, what are those areas that can really create these autonomous systems, advancement of practice management or code software to become more autonomous in its evolution. I think there is a couple of areas which needs to be focused upon, starting with looking at systems from the lens of interoperability. How do we build and re-platform our systems to give effective accessibility of information to the patients where patients can take data and important information that concerns their health and choose to share it with anybody that they interact with in the continuum of care, not just necessarily dental practitioners, but physicians, care teams, specialists, who are all contributive to the overall wellness of the patient. And to be able to do that without having to rely on practice staff members assisting them for such information, allowing patients to be in charge of their information and to have that information be managed in a very interoperable manner, I think across the board, We have a lot of work across multiple people working in this industry to make that happen. I also think that the decision support systems inside an office, whether it be on the clinical side or on the front office side or on the back office side, the practice management systems need to basically play a significant role in the realm of becoming like a decision support agent to the people involved and embracing technologies from data science to NLP to image analysis to voice interpretations gives us these capabilities to really create a decision support-based companion as opposed to a passive data capture system as it exists today. That can lead to better clinical quality, better compliance, better auditing, all the while reducing the administrative burden for the teams involved. Thirdly, Consolidation is rampant in the industry, so the systems that we build necessarily also have to support the wave of consolidation. How can we make sure that a consolidated group practice is able to reduce its overheads per location by effectively using and leveraging features that bring more autonomous operations within a practice setting? And lastly, we have to also focus on building capabilities around better consumer engagement. Because if you really look at it, there is a very disconnected experience between the insurance companies, the employers, consumers, and the providers. 
probably patient to provide a communication is a lot more streamlined. But I think the systems of the future would create a better experience between all these parties involved in a healthcare ecosystem. So accessibility of information to the consumers and then also being able to work with provider, you know, payers and employers in a way that accessibility to care for consumers in a very transparent, convenient fashion is made possible. That kind of connectivity could also result in payers drawing upon those experiences to probably redesign their reimbursement models to reward reward providers in a more value-based model, reward providers in a way for developing individualized care plans that keeps patients healthy. This could also probably prompt employers to rethink the way they look at allocating spend on employee health benefits. So I think there's a lot of work that can happen in those realms. And when you put it all together and when all of these things come to work with one another, you will gradually see more autonomous systems in healthcare in, in, in general, which tightly stitches all the participants in the ecosystem together. Personally, I think we are a long way from that, but we continuously have to invest and march forward with that as the end goal. And while we continue to introduce features around automation and things of that sort, the larger objective is to create a more autonomous way of enabling our customers to interact with the patients and the system can take a significant load of their administrative time away and give them more time for themselves and and more time to be with their patients and friends. Yeah, I think that that's so exciting. It definitely is, I think, a long way away, but it's undoubtedly the future. And it, and I think it's so exciting to think about what we can create. It's just a matter of time, you know, sort of one step at a time, probably take many years. But I think that's something that can be achieved. I'm super excited to hopefully help work on an autonomous system with you that's like you talked about, a comprehensive, open, interconnected decision support companion. And uh, I think we can get there. But uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me today. As always, I learn so much from you and always leave more excited to think about something new and how we can change things for the better. So I appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to do this again. Dr. Wallace, you know, it's a pleasure having this conversation with you. I have to really tell this that, you know, working with you and the teams at Paradigm has played a very seminal role in terms of how we continue to make our choices around our areas of investment on the technology. Because as we build technology, you need customers who are open in order to actually put it to work. And being the kind of visionary that you are at a scale uh, that at which you operate, it gives us the perfect opportunity to bring patient to market. If it was not for customers like you, CareStack wouldn't be where it is today. And I'm very grateful that you have been that person for us and the team here. And once again, thanks for inviting me to share these perspectives with your audience. And I hope to work and and learn along with you and continue to serve the industry better. Well, thank you. We're grateful to have you as partners. And as you know, we've, we've started to introduce the system and it's going amazing. So I think we should do this again in six months when we have even more experience under our belt. So be in touch and uh, let's talk again. Absolutely, Dr. Rollis, thanks very much. Thank you. You've been listening to The Paradigm Concept, brought to you by Paradigm Oral Health, an organization led and owned by surgeons passionate about shaping the future of our specialty and ensuring the needs of the patient come first. Learn more and subscribe to the show at ParadigmHealth.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on The Paradigm Concept.